You're listening to Latin Experts, a podcast of Latino studies at the University of Texas at Austin. Latin Experts features the voices of faculty, staff, and students, as well as friends and alumni of the Department of Mexican-American and Latina Latino Studies, the Latino Research Institute, and the Center for Mexican-American Studies. Join us for this episode of Latin Experts. Hello, everyone. My name is Laura Gutierrez. I'm an associate professor in the Department of Mexican-American Latino Latino Studies. And you are in for a treat today. We are going to be having a conversation with one of my fave performers, a local Austinite trans Latinx performer, Pink Star, who, if you are in Austin, you should know who Pinkstar is and probably already seen Pinkstar on the cover of the Austin Chronicle and splashed in other places around town. Or maybe you've even gone to one of the performances that uh, pre-pandemic period you had a chance to go out into the nightclub scene in Austin. So we're going to get started and I just have... Uh, brief question in the mode of introductions. I'm going to ask Pinkstar to introduce herself to all of you or reintroduce in the case if you already know who Pinkstar is. Hi, Pinkstar. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Pinkstar and I'm your favorite electronic pop superstar. And I'm an Austin-based musician and performance artist. I create spaces in nightlife. I have played with artists like Charlie XCX, Dorian Electra, the ladies of LCD Sound System. And my work has also been exhibited at the Blandon Museum of Art, the Roots and Culture um, Contemporary Arts Center in Chicago, as well as local galleries. Um, yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. What a delight. No, of course. This gives us an opportunity to also get to know each other a little bit more. So I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to ask a few questions. Feel free to, you know, say as much or as little as, as you want. I am really, you know, interested in you telling us a little bit more about, you know, the time you have spent in Austin, because I know that you came to Austin to, you know, be a student at UT. So I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about first your time at UT and then also your time in Austin and how they, you know, work together or differently to help you get to where you are now, if that makes sense. Yeah, I am from Mexico and I came to Austin to be a student at UT. I came here specifically to study fine arts and my focus was always experimental, time-based, digital art and performance. And on top of that, I mean, my time at UT was pretty good. I think having such a big university as a student you kind of have to find your way and you have to find kind of your people and your classes and what speaks to you and so during my time here I also 
declared a double major as humanities, which was kind of like design your own major in liberal arts. And I focused a lot on queer studies, performance studies, and American studies. And it, it was just, I think that was kind of like the most fruitful part of my time at UT. I, I mean, I think being an art student was really great, but there was definitely a lack of representation in staff. And like, as a student coming from Mexico, it's kind of talking about different issues that none of my faculty really understood. I was making work in Spanish, which no one spoke. And I was talking about queerness, which none of my professors were queer, even in the art department. And so there was definitely a barrier there. And I still learned so much and many of the things and the motifs and kind of topics that I talk about in art school were introduced or in my work were introduced to me in the art department. But then I think for me, it was really beneficial and important to have those other classes that kind of explored my queer history and kind of different performance practices within queer spaces and queer artistry. This is uh, bringing back beautiful memories of the time that you approached me to do an independent study course on Latin American and Latinx queer music video. And my brain was just like, what? Why have I never thought of creating a course like that? Yes, please. So we spent the summer analyzing queer music videos from Latin America and from the U.S. And I just like loved it. So I just wanted to say that. Yeah, Uh, that was mm -hmm. such a good time. I have very great memories of being at your office just fangirling Samoa. Oh, that's right, Samoa. Our dear Samoa, shout out to beautiful trans performer, singer, based in Mexico City, uh, Z-E-M-O-A. Look her up. Yeah, and but I mean, that was kind of, I mean, that really exemplifies my experience at UT. I found my people and through that was able to kind of study what I wanted and like focus on what I wanted. But it was, it took, it was a learning curve for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, at the same time, you know, we actually did not meet at the moment where you approached me for this course. I think we might have met out, you know, outside of UT in sort of an Austin club or something. Uh, I can't recall. I do remember, you know, uh, seeing you and then seeing you perform out there. So can you tell us a little bit about what Austin has meant for you in terms of its nightlife and in terms of what you've been able to do and discover there? that has also been important for your practice? Yeah, well, more specifically, I'm trying to remember when we met. I just remember the first time we talked, I think was at a Christine concert, (laughs) Hotel Vegas. Yes, that's right. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I feel like we knew of each other before. But yeah, I mean, Austin has been great for me. Um, I grew up in Tampico um, in kind of like a very conservative environment, like very much family values and just like conservative Mexican values. And so to me, I mean, I didn't have any history or like I couldn't 
pinpoint my ancestry like my queer ancestry or I just didn't have a community like everything that was queer was like wrong for everyone around me so it it was a hard time but I think moving to Austin and kind of finding such a thriving queer community that is always supporting each other um specifically I think in nightlife with entertainers and artists and performers and like all these beautiful spaces that people create in Austin in nightlife that that was magical to me and I think I mean also probably detrimental to my career as a student because I just started partying immediately <laughs> as like like as fast as I could um as most <laughs> students do <laughs> yeah um, but I mean it was a, it was it was great to find kind of that type of community and also, I feel like I've always been very supported in doing the work that I do here. Not really sure, like, why or why not or who gets supported, but I think from the very beginning, I felt really supported by the community, and I, I'm just extremely grateful to the community here in Austin. I think I wouldn't be able to make the things that I make or, like, create the spaces that I do if it wasn't because people trusted me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. So another local performer that, well, it's not longer uh, living in Austin, that was just mentioned, Christine. Also, look Christine up, <laughs> <laughs> if you dare. But what I wanted to um, say is that you're also recording. You're also, you know, putting your work out there. And I know last year you uh, released an album. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And I'm interested in, you know, the process as much as you want to share. But um, more specifically, I want to get into the content. For those of you that are not, you know, familiar with Pink Star's songs and and or have not had the pleasure of being in the performances. One of the things that I was just like, oh, what is this? Why is this speaking to me? And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, it's bilingual. It's in Spanish. Oh, Spanish pop. I mean, pop music in Spanish, right? So all of sort of the pop divas in my head kind of like, you know, were there, you know, sort of being embodied through you from Latin America, specifically from Mexico. But so anyway, your album is has that has those elements as well. Can you tell us about that album? Yeah, that's so magical to hear. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, process. I think we made this album at the right time. I mean, kind of, but like it took for almost five years of me performing live to feel that I had like found enough resources within my community to work on a project like this and I'm so glad that I didn't like just start releasing a bunch of music before because I'm just so grateful I mean I got to work with um, Ben Aqua, Mr. Kitty and Boysim who did the production of the album and we kind of like all collaborated on it I created the visual world I we all I wrote most of the music, co-wrote with some of them, and then kind of like worked on production together. And that was just such a magical process. And it was, I mean, from beginning to end, that entire album or that entire EP, like every artist that touched it, it's part of the Austin queer community and just queer artists in Austin, from photographers, from like people helping with 
behind the scenes to the producers and just like all of the artists featured. So that was like really magical process. And it, Amazing. it yeah, it feels yeah. so good to have like those types of connections and kind of support from the community too. Let's drop the name of the EP so uh, yeah. that people <laughs> it's want. N- mm-hmm. um, it's number one hits. Yay. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm so glad that like just like your comments and um, how the songs are bilingual and how there's music in Spanish. I think that's something that's really important to me mm-hmm. just to continue to create work in Spanish that can speak to people back home in Mexico. I obviously feel like living in Austin, I have to create work that are, yeah, that's in English that people can understand, that people can relate to. But I think, I mean, there's also like a big community of Spanish speakers and queer Spanish speakers in Austin. And I think that community really identifies with my work and like the music in Spanish, specifically the songs in Spanish. So, I mean, I think that's wonderful. And I'm so happy that like, yeah, you saw kind of all the pop Mexican divas embodied <laughs> through me because I mean, yeah, that feels nice. And that's also, that's also something that I think about a lot, just kind mm-hmm. of how different my experience of pop music is to other people. Mm-hmm. In, in the U.S. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I pull from those references. No, beautiful. It's, for me, it's sort of a, a, you know, the ways in which you're pulling from different references. And, you know, I see sort of the legacy of the pop diva both in the U.S. and also in the context of Latin America come through you. So, And, and that's, you know, I'll, I'll do a full-on confession here. I think that that's the reason why my heart beats when I'm, you know. Um, and I'll share a little anecdote as well. Um, it's, you know, so, you know, the EP came out and I downloaded it or, you know, was playing it in the car this last summer and my two nieces are in the back seat and I'm driving them around trying to find a cooling spot, some water for them to <laughs> dip into. And um, my youngest uh, niece, who at that moment was eight, let's just say eight, uh, was like, who's that? Pink Star? Oh, can we play that again? And it was Girls Like Us. And then we heard the rest of the EP. And, you know, she's, she's trying to decide which, you know, is it Girls Like Us or Glitter Queen? As her favorite, she couldn't she couldn't settle, but she finally did with girls like us. <laughs> anyway, you know, so, so so it's also it's like so speaking to me, an elder, an elder queer, um, but it's also speaking to my eight year old niece in some ways. So, the sort of the ways in which the possibilities for a, a, an expansive fan base are there. So I would just say that I <laughs> love that. <laughs> I want everyone, everyone um, play number one hits to your nieces, please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's so magical. Dance like us, be like us, dance like us, come with us. 
music speaks to everyone and I think finding a way to like break that barrier mm-hmm. I, I think that's something that I think about now a lot kind of like how do we push this out of a queer context how does this project and this music and like this world that we're creating kind mm-hmm. of move beyond the realm of like queer nightlife like when 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 does that happen and how does that happen and like what does it mean when that happens Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, and I want to sort of underline here the importance of trans folks within that pop music world. So I'm wondering also if you can uh, speak to that, right? Because we're so used to sort of the queer nightlife spaces where we bring in, you know, our pop divas, you know, whatever, Britney Spears, or Lady Gaga, or whatever, <laughs> you know, and and we love them and we dance to them. But can you talk to us a little bit about the importance of trans pop? music makers, and then also the fact that you're working with these influences, right? The the, the trans-Latinx pop music making in you that is breaking binaries, gender binaries. It's breaking down uh, all kinds of, of systems. At yeah. Least, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think speaking to influences, I, I love pop in Spanish from the 80s specifically yes. <laughs> coming from Spain too like La Movida Madrileña mm-hmm. that entire group of artists that are like making pop music but it's really punk pop mm-hmm. it's just it's like the attitude of it and kind of like the sexual liberation and kind of even speaking about like queer themes through their music I think I mean that's something that I think about a lot when I'm thinking of references and people that inspire me and like yeah Maria Daniela hizo sonido láser oh, se yes. like uh-huh. that entire kind of movement Silvertronic um like that entire like air of like Mexico City pop music that's something that like speaks to me I don't know it's 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 camp it's electronic it's techno it just it, it it's a lot of things that I really like and I think to me that was kind of the first iteration of queer pop coming from Mexico that I ever like encountered and so it's very dear and near to my heart but yeah I mean speaking to trans musicians and trans artists working in pop music I mean I think we are seeing now kind of like some sort of introduction to the trans identity in the mainstream and I mean we have Kim Petras, who's someone that I like, I love. But Kim Petras, Dorian Electra, there's Semwa, obviously, in Mexico. Um, Sophie, mm. RIP. <laughs> I, I just had a conversation, I think, last week about this. And I think we're kind of heading in a good direction, I think, in mainstream culture, specifically, like, kind of mainstream media in America embracing trans identities and then also with Veneno in Spain oh, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you watch Veneno but it's iconic and it's the best thing I've ever watched mm-hmm. um, but it's yeah it's such a uh, I think I mean I think that's really cool that kind of pop culture and mainstream media are kind of paying attention in a more sensible way to like what trans identities are and what trans people experience and telling trans stories in the eyes of trans people and not through like some weird fetish or like death 
uh, lens. For sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I mean, I think it's really, it's it's really important. And I think just having like these stories. No, I really do think that we are, you know, we're at, at a different moment. And, you know, if we continue to play Pink Star to our, our nieces and nephews, they could also begin to help down with the breaking of the gender binaries. <laughs> yeah. And I think you, your work and sort of your commitment, you know, I'm going to you know, sort of move us to the performance that you did in January, the an extended music video shot live. You, you'll explain it better, but, um, you know, sort of working within the context of the pandemic, you know, the ways in which, you know, the, the pivoting to online performances and just the work behind that, the labor. So I want to acknowledge all of the work that you all did to put that out there for us. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about what uh, Girls Like Us, this extended music video, which again, it might be the wrong categorization. So please correct me. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what the best way to describe it is. What we landed on as a team was a live music video experience. And so it's a live performance. It's kind of like a digital concert, um, but it's shot cinematically so it's more like a music video with live vocals and live performance that project is so amazing to me i still can't believe that we were able to create it and essentially um i cast it for musicians including myself um for musicians that had kind of their own little segment and so we didn't it's like an hour-long show. Um, I start and I'm kind of weaving through their sets and each of them have their own set with a couple of songs. And everyone who's casted is trans. Obviously, I kind of focused on people who are like me. So like trans femme and trans women and also, I mean, non-binary, genderqueer. And I, I mean... That project, too, I, something that I'm really committed to is kind of casting and booking from beginning to hiring from beginning to end kind of queer talent. So that project is also like from beginning to end, just queer talent from like the, the musicians that we feature, which are Lord Like Hey, Belladonna, Quentin Arispe, to the our cinematographer, Hannah Vernell director y2k and myself and like the production team yeah and every like everyone from behind the scenes front of camera um behind camera was queer and that was like super a super special moment um to share kind of that space and share talent with each other to create this magical hour-long music video special that we can all watch now, right? And oh, enjoy yeah. and experience. <laughs> Available where? on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's um it was a collaboration with Hotel Free TV. And so kind of a little backstory on the project is um Hotel Free TV is this platform that emerged from the pandemic and kind of as a way to keep the Austin music community connected. Um and so a friend was kind of like the they have an artist in resident who helps them curate each um, month of programming. 
And so I had a friend who like had reached out to me about possibly being part of her residency and that ended up not working out. And so later on, Hotel Free TV reached out to me about collaborating and potentially having me as a resident artist. And I think um, myself and Y2K took it like pretty... I mean, we we were excited to do it, and we also knew, like, right off the bat, that we wanted to focus on trans artists and putting trans artists kind of um, on a platform that doesn't necessarily pay attention to like queer nightlife, or that it, it's just kind of like a different world, you know, like queer nightlife and music. They interact sometimes, but not all the time. And so I was like, okay, let me bring. Let me bring the girls. Um, this is going to be great. And I think the more we thought about it, the bigger our project got. And we were like really inspired by kind of pop performances that have emerged through the pandemic that are all essentially live music videos. It's a live performance with live vocals, but it's all like pre-planned. It's kind of like a television performance. Mm-hmm. And so... We're like pretty inspired by like artists like Chloe and Halle and Doja Cat and Dua Lipa, which are all like mainstream, amazing artists with amazing budgets. And so we we're <laughs> just, I mean, the entire like first half of the project was just figuring out kind of what we could achieve with a way smaller budget mm-hmm. and also, yeah, and getting really creative about how we planned the the performances, how we did like the production design, the set design, how we got costuming for everyone. Then also like, I don't know, gathering our resources and talking to like all of her friends who are dancers and mm-hmm. talking to all of her friends who like may know someone who can be the director of photography for a project. And just, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's definitely like a labor of love and a labor of community. But I think what really drove us to do all of that is like we really believe in these artists and we just wanted to showcase kind of like what is happening in Texas mm-hmm. and like put all of these trans artists in a in a good light. Like um, I think our commitment to... The community is just like we want to show people what is happening in Texas. We want these artists to have, like, be represented in a way that they feel proud of, and not just kind of have some sort of live stream performance. I think we really wanted this to like go beyond like mm-hmm. what we had seen come out of Austin before, and kind of put the queer arts community of Texas in a really good light. Mm-hmm. And it does do that. It does do that work. And it does it does so much more than that, right? It also, I mean, I think it's an important intervention into sort of the ways in which we need to also think about the joy, you know, sort of queer trans joy, and that is often kind of sidelined or, or sh- overshadowed by the other kinds of, you know, horrible news days that we <laughs> continually have and also horrible events that are, affect us directly, right? So this this is a, a little sort of a pink star yeah, <laughs> moment I, that just glimmers. Yeah, yeah. I love mm-hmm. that. 
that's something that I think about too a lot. Um, and we were just talking about this, but uh, there's so many serious and horrible news happening all the time, specifically talking about trans and queer people that I think whenever I'm thinking about making spaces or creating work, I also just want people to celebrate themselves to celebrate themselves to celebrate their community to celebrate each other and like build these spaces where like we all can share love with each other and I think that's mm -hmm. that's I mean that's what I've gotten from Austin and that's what I want to keep giving to Austin yeah I have a friend um sweet Wendelin who manages this Facebook page called positive LGBTQIA plus news And it's always so refreshing when one of their posts pops up on my feed because I'm like, oh, this is what I needed today. <laughs> just like there's so much stuff going on all the time. I just needed good news. Oh, that's a good good thing to to know about. I'm going to also <laughs> start following. So I think uh, we're kind of at the end. We could keep talking, obviously, for hours. But for those of you who are tuning in, just you can stream Pink Stars EP number one hits on your streaming platforms. Please do so, uh, or download it from Bandcamp so that uh, Pink Star gets more more money. <laughs> um, that's how I do it. But also, Girls Like Us YouTube live music performance experience. Watch it. You will not be sorry. Um, so Pinkstar, some closing words, remarks, or whatever you want. How do you want to take us away from from our conversation? Yeah, well, of course, stream number one hits. Watch Girls Like Us. It's online. You can find it. Just Google it. It'll show up. And I just want to tell everyone who's listening... I want you to find space to celebrate yourself, even like throughout this pandemic. I think that's something that has been hard for everyone, including myself. But just find little moments of joy for yourself and for your community. And yeah, I think that's I think that's it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks <laughs> Hugs for having and kisses. me. Yes. XOXO. XO. <laughs> Bye. Hi all, this is Ashley Nava Monteros, the Communications Associate at Latino Studies. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Make sure to check out the Latino Studies Instagram page. Follow us at Latino Studies UT to keep the conversation going.